Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Good morning. so sweet. Thank you. We feel so loved. I hope you know how much we love you. Um, And if we don't know you, please, honestly, come up, meet us, because I want to know every one of you. And I'm I'm not kidding about the name tags. I'm going to make y'all wear name tags. (laughs) Well, did you guys, have you guys had a good spring break? Yeah? We had a great spring break. So we uh, had the privilege of going to Disney World and it was so fun, and we went with another awesome family, um, some good friends of ours, and um, it was just so funny, because it was like we were trying to figure out, you know, what do we want to do for spring break or whatever? We normally don't go anywhere, really, for spring break. And um, so, you know, as parents, we were like, well, we want to go to the beach. And he's like, I want to go skiing. You know, and the kids are like, no, we don't want to do that. We're like, okay. And then my girlfriend was like, well, what about Disney World? And we were like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. You know, because <laughs> you're like, oh, dude, that's so much sacrifice. You have to sacrifice your will, what you want to do, your body, because your feet are like you walk them right off. They don't, are not even attached to you by the end of the trip. You're like, carry them home in your backpack. And so it was just neat, though. The part that I loved so much about that was the fact that, like, as parents, you do want to make sacrifices because you do it for your kids because you just see how much joy it brings them. And they just had the best time. It was, it was so awesome. It was really incredible. And I just thought that was so sweet. So when they were like, okay, this is what we want to do, and we decided to say yes and make that sacrifice, it really blessed them. And it just reminded me of the Lord who made the ultimate sacrifice for us, has already said yes to everything all our kids had to do is ask, that's where you know, we wanna go. And so for us, and as our Lord and Savior is sacrificed for us, mm-hmm. it's like, well, all we have to do is ask. Yeah. So I don't know what it is that you wanna ask for today, but I want you to do that. I want you to take time, close your eyes today, and ask for something that you've been afraid to ask for, or that you felt like you know, wasn't, it may have happened for somebody else, but it wouldn't happen for you. That's all a lie from the enemy. And so just don't let it, you know, dash your faith. Because so many times, I think I've said this before, but so many times I am like, well, my past experience and disappointments and what I've been believing for, if they haven't come true, it affects what I want to believe for. And so sometimes I just go, oh, okay, well, you know, never mind. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that happened for them, but it didn't happen for me, you know, and So like when we didn't see our daughter healed, like that messed me up for forever, like trying to believe for healing. Mm -hmm. And um, I just had to quit listening to the enemy on that because he was a liar. And so we've seen so many people healed. And, you know, I know that's a part of the ministry that God has put in us. And so the devil totally wanted to squish that out. But so I don't know what it is that's in your heart and that you've been afraid to ask for, but do it. It's like any, any small, it doesn't even matter how small, how big, anything. If it's a concern to you, it's a concern to him. I don't care if it's a new pair of shoes you've been believing for. God delights in your joy. 
And so that's what he wants you to be happy because it glorifies him every time, you know? So, all right. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <clears throat> Got a new preacher up in here. It's awesome, baby. I'm so happy to see all of you today. So exciting to be with our family in uh, the house of God. The house of God is wherever we gather, right? We are the church. It's not about a building. One day we'll have a building. One day we'll, we'll have land. We're making moves and we're uh, working through different things. And, and we've got a lot of exciting things coming up in the future, in the near future too. Uh, God's doing a quick work. But it's about when we come together, we are the house of God. We are the people of God. We are the church. Those that have been called out, God called us out. That's what the word church, it comes from the word ecclesia, and it means those who God has called out. And he's called us out to be connected together and aligned together to do amazing things for him and for his glory. Amen? And that's what we're here to do, and it's so exciting to be with you. God bless you. I hope you are doing exceptionally well today. It's a gorgeous day. Hope you have great plans uh, after service with family and friends, uh, but I want to pray for you right now. We're going to jump right into this message. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your goodness, for your mercy, for your power toward your people. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The message of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. And Father, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would release your voice in this place today. Jesus, you said that you would set the captive free. Release your voice today in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna do something right now, being obedient to the Holy Spirit that I had no plans to do, but I can't escape it. And I'm gonna explain it before I do it because it may make some people feel uncomfortable. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, there's an explanation of these different gifts of the Spirit. Uh, one of them is the gift of tongues, which is a prophecy uh, in an unknown language. It could be a heavenly language. It could be a natural language that you don't know. But there is a gift of tongues that is 100% biblical and powerful. And accompanying with that, there is a gift of the interpretation of tongues, where a message is released in the Holy Spirit or in a spiritual language that we don't know in this room. And I feel like the Lord wants me to do that now. It's not comfortable for me. It's not something I'm, it's something, if I could just be very honest, that a lot of churches would steer 180 degrees away from because of the fact that it might make someone feel uncomfortable. It might make someone leave, but I'm more concerned with pleasing God than I am with someone being uncomfortable and leaving. The first time that the Lord spoke to me prophetically, it was through a, a tongue that I released, praying in my own personal prayer language, and then I began to notice the language changing and becoming more authoritative. And when it became more authoritative, I knew that God was saying something to me, and I asked him to tell me what he was saying. And when I mustered up the courage to say just the one little word or two little words that I felt, all of a sudden this stream of, of, of his explanation of the interpretation came out of me. This is something that absolutely happened in the early church. It is the model of the church. The way that Jesus built his church originally is how the church should be today. Amen. The church was full of the gifts of the spirit. It was full of prophecy. It was full of healing. 
It was full of miraculous works. It's not something to be afraid of. It's something to be intrigued by and to seek to understand so that we can all walk in his power. Remember, it's the power of God unto salvation, this gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to release the word in the unknown tongue that I feel in my spirit to do, and then I'm going to release the interpretation that the Holy Spirit is giving me uh, for this, and I hope that you're okay with it. I hope you'll just open your heart and your mind. Please Please go study it out yourself, the gifts of the Spirit. But I can tell you one thing for sure. Jesus said, those that believe in me, these signs will follow. And one of the four things he mentioned was that they would speak in other tongues. All right? So don't close off to this just because it's strange. Open your heart up and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And here's what I want you to do. As I release this tongue, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I think you're going to be amazed when he gives the interpretation. I think you're going to be amazed the confirmation of what you felt inside of your heart. And you may have never experienced this before. But when he gives the interpretation of it, you're going to be amazed that you heard similar things in your spirit that he's releasing in mine. Amen? Amen? Because we have the same spirit. It's one spirit. We belong to him. It's his one spirit that resides inside of us. Amen? Amen. Just open your hands like this. Just lift your hands up and open your heart up. For the Lord says to you, I am releasing upon you a spirit of freedom today, freedom like you've never felt before. Chains are falling off of you. Chains are falling off of you. Bondage has no place in you. The hurts of your past are being erased. I am taking away the sting of rejection. I am taking away the piercing of neglect. I am removing from you the heartache and the sorrow. Yes, you will still have the memory, but you will not feel the pain. Yes, you will still have the recollection, but you will not feel, you will not feel the piercing of your soul for I am removing the pain and I am releasing a purpose in it. In the name of Jesus, a new purpose in the pain and a lesson that's attached from it so that you will be able to go out and be the messengers of my peace, the messengers of my love, the messengers of my freedom. I am releasing peace in you, power in you. You carry my anointing. You carry me with you wherever you go. You will set the captive free. I'm releasing a prophetic gift inside of you as my people, that wherever you go, you hear my voice and you say what I'm saying to different situations and people and you will see life spring forth where there's nothing but death to be seen. You will see new breath come into situations where there hasn't been any breath. You will resuscitate 
different circumstances and release new life and new peace and new power because of the anointing that I'm releasing to you now in the name of Jesus. Breathe in the power of the Holy Spirit and know that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak as my voice. You are my people. You do hear my voice and you will declare what I say, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we seal this word right now. We receive this word right now in our spirits. Father, release that freedom that you just mentioned to us. Release that freedom. Remove the sting. Remove the pain and release the purpose. Release the lesson so that we can breathe life. We receive it. We seal it now. The enemy will not steal this word. It's a seed sown into powerful soil. Specific people that you have aligned to this purpose to be part of this movement. Father, we thank you that we are your sheep and we do hear your voice. We will not follow another. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. You receive it? Amen. Are you okay? We're comfortable? Anybody uncomfortable? Today we're talking about the lost art of forgiveness. Can I tell you there are times where as a pastor and as a, a preacher or a speaker that I battle for the word that God wants to release. And this is one of those weeks. Uh, night after night, I've battled in my sleep. Uh, been tormented in dreams. All connected to this word. We're on vacation, we're having a great time, but I'm being tormented at night because the enemy doesn't want this word to come out. He doesn't want the captive set free. He doesn't want those that are in bondage to be released, to be able to run the way God wants them to run. Last night I battled, and I knew I was battling for you. Someone was going to get free today. You've been in bondage for decades, potentially, because of a hurt or a wound to your soul, but you're getting free today. You're getting free today. Today is St. Patrick's Day. We got any Irish folk in here? A couple Irish folk. We've got some black Irish folk. That's awesome. <clears throat> Patricus was actually from, from Great Britain. He uh, was not a believer initially. He was uh, a boy about 16 years old. It's a true story. And he was taken captive from England by Irish pirates. And he was made into a slave. Patricus was a slave for six years. Uh, he, in that place of slavery or in his season of slavery, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. This is in the 5th century, around, I believe, 432 
uh, AD, he came to faith in Christ because of the captivity, because of the pain of slavery, because of the pain of his suffering. He turned from being a person of non-faith into a person having a real relationship, hearing the voice of God. And one day after six years, he heard the voice of God saying, I am preparing a ship for you and I am setting you free. And he ran from his slave owners. He ran from his slave masters and covered 200 miles to get to the coast to catch a ship to get free. And he found his way back crossing the sea to his homeland of Britain. And after 28 days of walking through the wilderness, he made his way home. And in his young 20s, he was converted uh, to Christianity and he dedicated his life to the cause of Jesus Christ and actually becoming a pastor or a priest in that, in that day and age. And so he was what would be, be called a cleric, right? Well, he went on uh, in later years to go back. Watch this. He went back to Ireland intentionally as his mission field that he was called to. He went back as a calling to reach the people that had enslaved him. Instead of staying in a place of hatred and anger and hurt and revenge, he instead grabbed a hold of the message of Jesus Christ, and he was the very first missionary to the nation of Ireland, and he is their patron saint, St. Patrick's Day truly is not about green beer and lucky charms and clovers and all that type of thing. Praise God for lucky charms, my favorite cereal. Why are they after me, lucky charms? I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, anyway, it's not about that. It's about celebrating the life of a man who laid himself down for the cause of Jesus Christ and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Irish people came to faith in Jesus Christ because of Patrick's life work. He went to the Druids. He went to uh, pagans. He went to people that worshiped all types of different gods. And he literally suffered very much like the apostles uh, at different times was put back in captivity, was beaten, was, mu- was mugged. He did all these different types of things, all of his own accord and willingness. He could have taken a safe life and stayed in his own home country, but instead he laid his life down for the cause of Christ. Patricus knew something that many of us maybe don't realize that it's absolutely better to risk it all for the cause of Christ than to stay in a safe place of comfort because there's nothing like the reward that comes with the risk of obeying the voice of the living God in our lives. Amen? Amen. I felt like that was so appropriate a story in the midst of all that we see in our modern day and age uh, I, I, I'm, I'm saddened by the racial divide that we see in our country. It breaks my heart to see that just a few years after one of the most monumental uh, happenings inside of our modern era, our first African-American president, I would have hoped and I would have thought that after eight years of having our first African-American president, that, that again, we have to remember that all people voted for, not all people, all, I mean, the majority of people, but all nationalities and colors and backgrounds of people. He didn't just become the first African-American president because African-Americans voted for him. He became the first African-American president because everyone of all different nations and colors and backgrounds voted for him. We understand that? 
Okay, it was all people. It was a, it was a, it was something that happened that was monumental in our in our culture and our society and should be celebrated. And it should have been something that healed our nation. But instead, we seem more divided than ever. And it's hurtful. It's painful. This is rare what you see, that we can sit on the same rows with people on a Sunday morning and worship together. See, Sunday morning is called one of the most divided places in America. See, we, 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 don't, we don't get to choose what, you know, who we go to school with or who we work with or who we uh, have on our sports teams. But on Sunday morning, people choose all over America to go sit in a room full of people that are only like them. And that's sad. And it's one of the reasons that this church is so powerful is because it's full of people that look past the color of skin and see the beauty of Jesus Christ on the inside of each other and recognize that we have within us the answer for the world. The answer for the world. I know that many of you, I've had friends that suffered incredible injustice as African Americans. I've had friends that suffered all types of persecution because of the color of their skin. And it's real and it exists. But the answer is not hatred. The answer is not revenge. The answer is love. The answer is the cause of Jesus Christ. There's a reason that Martin Luther King had such a powerful, powerful presence in ministry. It's because his method was love. He took a dignified approach and a unified approach, and his message was love. The message of hate, the message of separation, the message of supremacy on either side is not right. It's a message of love and equality and unity, and that's what we stand for. Amen? We live in a world that's so offended. Uh, we, 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 we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to send our kids off to prestigious colleges just so they can learn how to get more and more offended about everything. Everything is racist at this point. Everything is offensive. Everything is a trigger. Everything is a phobia. It's outrageous. You can't do or say anything without someone getting offended. Can I tell you I hate the word Triggered? I hate that word. Why are we weapons? We don't need to have a trigger. We should be, we should be a vessel of love, not a weapon for, for, for hurt. Should never be a word that we use, triggered. Because we're vessels of healing, not vessels of harm. But our kids nowadays, we hear, I, I hear my kids saying it. Oh, that, that triggers me. Shut up. <laughs> That's for all kids, not my kids. All kids, not my kids. No, it's ridiculous. See, see the reality is this. Taking offense is a choice. Taking offense is a choice. Now, let me tell you what Jesus said. Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus says, it is impossible that offenses should, or, or that no offenses should come. It's impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus said, offenses will come. Offenses are everywhere. 
Offenses are, are in your workplace. Offenses are in your most precious relationships. Offenses are everywhere. They're in your churches. They're, they're in your schools. There's always opportunity for offense. Offenses will come. It was a promise from Jesus. Another passage he says in John chapter 16, he says, be sure of this, tribulation will come. Hard times, suffering, persecution, sickness, things, bad things will come. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. But he says this, he says, but woe to him through whom they come. We cannot be people of offense. We cannot be people that are triggered easily. That bring offense or that live in offense. Offense is a choice. Jennifer mentioned Disney this week. I had a couple opportunities to get offended at Disney this week. And I think I had a couple opportunities to offend at Disney. <laughs> Just got off a little roller coaster. I'm trying to catch up with my family. I'm walking through the little, you know, they're, they're really strategic. You can't get off a ride or go through anything without coming into another gift shop. My God, your money just evaporates everywhere you turn around. And I'm walking, my family's ahead and I'm trying to catch up and whatever. And I'm walking through a gift shop and there was a dad who was probably a foot or so taller than me and a, I don't know, 50 or 80 pounds bigger than me. And I'm walking through the gift shop and he's talking to one of his kids and he just was a spaz. And he turns around and goes, oh, it's over here. And as I'm walking past, he punches me in the eye. Hard. Like, like my eye closed. I, I'm sitting there going, who the heck gets a black eye at Disney World? This guy, Right? Right here, of course, all people. And he says, are you okay? And I said, all except for my flipping eye. Okay, I mean, oh my God, it actually really hurt. And I'm sitting there, oh, and I'm just, I just kept walking. I'm like, I'm not, I'm just, it was an accident. I know it was an accident, I'm just keep walking. But I'm in pain. I'm, my next roller coaster, I'm riding with one eye and, you know, just whatever. But, but that happened. And then, Elsa. That cold-hearted Elsa. We're getting pictures with Donald, Mickey, Anna, Rapunzel. We, find, we get with Elsa, and I'm goofing off of it. And I'm like, I'm going to get a picture with Elsa. I can't. She was so rude to me. She literally was so rude to me. And I'm sitting, no, I, I, I'm not offended at her. But it was funny, it was hilarious that she literally was so appalled that, that I'm like, she's like, you are in the presence of a queen. And, and I think she's mad because I called her a princess. I said, oh, I'll get a picture with this princess. She's a queen. And apparently I offended. Elsa was triggered <laughs> that I called her a princess. And in the same day, I go into a shop and, and, and now I'm confused because I'm looking at a gentleman who's a sharp, I mean, he's a sturdy, stout gentleman with a very masculine about him, but his name tag says Samantha from the UK. And I'm trying to buy something. I don't know what to call him. I don't know what pronouns to use. I'm like, I'm at Disney. I'm, I, what do I say? Am I going to offend? And I'm confused. And I don't know. I'm just like, hey, dude. Uh, and, and just, oh, yeah. people get triggered about anything. Now you're, it's like, do I use a he or a she or whatever? All this. Is he, is he, did he borrow somebody's name tag? Is he just British? And that explains enough? I don't know. <laughs> but, but three times in one day, I'm either the offender or I'm the offended because offenses are everywhere. And we have to choose, and those are silly things because there are very serious things that offend. 
We, we should be offended at, at child slavery. We should be offended at, at fully born babies that are then murdered afterwards. That should offend us. We should be offended at racial injustice. There are good things that righteous anger is appropriate for. We wouldn't have the beautiful nation that we have if it wasn't for God-fearing men and women that were offended at the tyranny of, 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 of England, that were offended at the, at the disgust of slavery. The, it, it, we wouldn't have the beautiful nation that we had if there weren't people that stood up for causes. But listen, the motive has to be love. It can't be hate. It can't be revenge. It has to be love. Because you can do the right thing with the wrong motive and it will not work out. But when your motive is love, when your motive is pure, we can stand up for causes and we can see beautiful things happen because it's about love. Has to be our motive. Has to be our method. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He will repay that guy that punched me in the eye. Jesus said offenses will come. Listen, we have to be people that don't get trapped in offense. Offense is a trap. The word offense in the Greek is the word scandalon. It literally means a scandal. See, we may throw out, oh, that offended me. Oh, that's offensive. I'm so offended. And we think of that as cute. But we wouldn't think it cute if we were talking about ourselves being involved in a scandal. And that's what offense is. It's scandalous. It's a scandal. It's translated specifically into our modern language. It means a trap or a snare, a device used to encapture and to cause pain and, and, and to uh, result in the death of that creature. That's what a trap is. A mouse trap is not to add more pets to your uh, little, uh, little tank, right? A mouse trap is to kill. A bear trap is to catch and to capture and to kill. That's what traps are for. And the enemy sets traps all around us. He sets traps in our lives, in our relationships. No one can offend us more than our own spouse. No one can offend us more. The people that we love the most have the most power to hurt us because we drop our guard. That's, that's why as husbands and wives we take vows and one of those vows is that we won't harm each other. Because you as a spouse, this is something so important for somebody in this room today. Somebody in this room today needs to hear this. Your words have been so devastating and powerful for the destruction of the one you love the most. And you need to repent. You need to be careful with what you say. Because those words, the whole sticks and stones thing, it's baloney, guys. Words hurt. If words didn't hurt, there wouldn't be a thing called hate speech. Words hurt. And sometimes we speak hate in our own homes. We can speak hate over our own children. We can speak hate to our employees. Not intentionally. We just get offended. We step in a trap. And the next thing you know, we go on the offense. Because we feel like we are entitled or we deserve or I don't, how dare you treat me like this? And we go on the offense against the people that we love the most. We can be nice to all these other people out there in the world 
that don't matter. But we get offended and we bring it home and then we lash out at the ones we love. I know you never do this. The people listening on the podcast do this and this is for them. <laughs> Consequently, make sure that you do, if you have a, a device or whatever, a computer, you can, go, you can go to the podcast app, just search for podcast, it'll pull up and then search for Oaks Church Texas, and all of our messages now are on podcast. Uh, you can get the last four weeks, which is our four core values. They're all on podcast. You can share them around, all that kind of fun stuff. If you don't know how to do that, see Brandon. He's the expert. He'll teach a class on podcasting. I'm just kidding. We have to make a decision, a choice, not to get trapped. But listen, sometimes you do get offended. You've been offended driving. You've been offended at work. You've been offended at, we do get offended. But listen, we can't stay there. Did you know that you can get offended at God? Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Jesus said some pretty offensive things. He said some very harsh things. In that specific place, we said, blessed is he who's not offended in me. He was telling John the Baptist's disciples to go tell John who was in prison and was on death row and in the next few weeks would die for his faith. And he was telling them, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life again, but blessed is he who is not offended in me. What does that mean? That means that there are things that you're going to go through in your life that are horrific and horrible and they're not God's will, but they happen because this is life. And it's easy for us to say, God, where are you? How could you look? If you are a God of love, why would you let that? If you're a God of love, how could you allow? And we can get so offended. Can I tell you that I have been offended at God in my lifetime? I've been angry at God. Why did he let me get molested as a kid? Why did he let my daughter die? I've been offended at God. Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Bad stuff will happen. Sometimes it seems like he doesn't come through for us, but he's God. Listen, he's God. He's sovereign. He knows things that we don't know. He sees things that we don't see. He understood that for me to go through what I went through as a five or a six-year-old, it was mild, but it was devastating to my life for a season. But he knew that I would overcome it and that thousands of people would get free because I would be bold enough to talk about the thing the enemy wanted me to be ashamed of. And I've been able to walk hundreds of people through inner healing because of a suffering that they endured as a child that they could never say a word about because they were so ashamed. It's one of the nastiest tricks that the enemy plays where he turns the victim into a place of shame as if they had anything to do with the cause of it. He knew that me walking through, that my wife and I walking through what we did losing our daughter to brain cancer what the enemy intended to crush and destroy us, God knew would actually just make us stronger. And that she's fine. She's in heaven. She's where we want to be. She's up there doing the Macarena and stuff. I don't know. She's partying. And we're down here sad for a season because we're missing her and we feel like we've lost her, but we will see her again and we'll celebrate with her again. And in the meantime, we've chosen not to be offended, but to learn from the pain so that we can help his people.
See, if we can learn from pain, we can turn it into a powerful purpose to help other people get free. Amen? See, the, the miracle, and this is what I heard over and over and over again, the miracle of, of, of the story of our daughter O'Neill is that we made it through, we stayed married, we're more in love now than we've ever been, we're better than we've ever been, and we're able to help more people, and it blows people's minds that we still believe in a God when our daughter died and suffered with brain cancer. But it's one of the greatest testimonies of faith, guys. What you've endured, what you've suffered through, and you believe anyway is the greatest faith that you could possibly have. We choose not to be offended. We believe anyway. See, it's, 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 a, it's a sad deception that when bad things happen, it was because you didn't have enough faith. It's horrible teaching. Because bad things happened to every one of the apostles. Every one of them were murdered. Did they not have faith? Every one of them were persecuted. Did they not have faith? Every one of them suffered incredibly. Did they not have faith? John, the writer of Revelation, the writer of the book of, of, of John, and the writer of John 1, 2, and 3, he, he was tortured and suffered, boiled in oil, stoned to death, all, but didn't die. All kinds of things happened to this guy. And he continued in faith. And he wrote five fantastic books of the Bible. And, 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 and millions and millions of people, at this point, two billion believers on the planet, have read his works. And he suffered horribly because Jesus said, be sure of this, offenses will come. Suffering will come. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We can't be offended. I want to read you a couple stories here. Um... I'm apparently going a little long today. Father, give us grace. <laughs> Matthew 18, verse 1. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as this little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one like uh, one little child like this in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea, woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom these offenses come. Jesus is addressing the topic of offense. He's addressing also the secret to overcoming offense and he's connecting it to faith like a child. Have faith like one of these little ones. And you'll be the greatest in the kingdom. But woe to those that offenses come through. So faith like a child is connected to the answer for overcoming offenses. I'll return to that in just a second. A few verses down in verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven or 490 times. He was giving him an infinite number, a, a massive, ridiculous number. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. I'll give you the actual amount of that in a moment. 10,000 talents. 
But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the massive debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and they came and they told their master all that had been done. And this master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Watch. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That is terrifying. Delivered him over to the torturers until every ounce of his debt was paid. And so will my father do to you if you do not forgive your brothers the trespasses. Guys, we cannot risk staying in a place of offense. Offenses will come. We can't stay there. We've got to get it out of our hearts. We've got to get it. And listen, listen, one of the trickiest ones, one of the trickiest ones is when we get offended on behalf of someone else. It's not even, nothing even happened to us. Can I tell you so many times I've watched a friend walk through something and be treated a certain way. I've had friends that watched me walk through certain things, uh, going through transition and, and got so offended on my behalf. And though I'm grateful, I'm so grateful for friends that would go to the mat for me. I hope you're grateful for friends that would go to the mat for you. None of us can afford to live in this place of offense. None of us. We've all got to be free. We've all got to get our hearts pure. We can't stay in in this place of, of offense where the enemy wants to have us trapped and where we are subsequent to the torture for the debt we owe ourselves, that we ourselves owe. Is anybody here sinless? No. The, the, the reality is, and I, the closer I get to the Father, the more his light illuminates the things in me that need work. I got more stuff to work on now than I did 30 years ago. Because his light illuminates. He's like, now work on this. Now work on that. Now work on this. Because we're in a process of being perfected. We can't stay in a place of offense. The first servant owned 10,000 talents. In the most modest equation, a talent is worth about $16,500. 10,000 talents would be $165 million of debt. Contrary, the servant that was tormented by a fellow servant owed a hundred denarii. Denarii, uh, there are still nations that use the, the term dinar. Dinar is a sum of money. Uh, it's where the Hispanic culture gets the word dinero. It means money. Uh, Italians and Portuguese have a very similar word. Dinero means money. It's a sum of money. It's equivalent to a single day's wage at a minimum wage. So today at this at this 
juncture where we, ha- where we are in our lives, a minimum wage still in Texas is $7.25 an hour. It's not a large amount. It's $58 a day. This man owed 100 days. At best case, about $5,800 compared to $165 million of debt. And how often do we want grace for ourselves but punishment for others? I want mercy for me, but I want vengeance against them. And it's so important, guys, as the people of God, that we be the fastest forgivers on the planet. The fastest forgivers. Why? Because God specifically said that if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven. If we don't set other people free, we can't be free ourselves. See, unforgiveness is the prison we put ourselves in. Unforgiveness is the poison that we take ourselves, thinking it will hurt someone else. And it's so important that we forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. How many times in one day? An infinite number. As many times as it takes to get our hearts pure. See, I've been hurt by people in different phases of my life. Times that were so painful that when I would see that person or even think about that person, I would get physically sick. And I would feel the same emotion, the same anger that I felt before. And the Lord taught me a process to work out the healing. And I want to kind of walk uh, you through that process here in just a second. But I want to ask you the question, are you in a trap right now? Are you trapped right now? Is there a situation? Is there a circumstance? Has someone offended you? Maybe you are an innocent victim of someone else's offense, but are you in a trap right now and you gotta get free? We can't go, you, don't leave this place and not get free. Don't leave this place and stay in that trap because the enemy wants to destroy you in that trap. He wants to k- steal, kill, and destroy your life in that trap. Snares, offenses is how he does it. Number one most important thing that you do if you want to get free is you've got to return to a place of innocence. That childlike faith. Return to a place of innocence. Father, give us faith like a child. Give us an innocent perspective. See, have you ever noticed how quickly kids forgive? I, 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 can, I can miss it and, 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 and talk wrong to one of my kids and, and, and I can turn around and say, baby, I'm so sorry. That was wrong. Daddy's wrong. Will you please forgive me? Instantly. Yes, daddy. I for- Kids forgive so fast. It's adults. We, we can go through decades of offense and we get jaded and we get calloused and, and we get vengeant and we've got to return to a place of innocence. We cannot afford. We don't have any power if we don't have innocent faith. Childlike faith, that's the secret to our power. What's even more incredible to me is that is that Jesus and this is the example Jesus while he was being crucified the people that were intentionally murdering him he said father forgive them they don't know what they're doing we in our perspective would say they know exactly what they're doing they're doing this on purpose and what Jesus was saying is they're so deceived they're misinformed they don't understand the reality don't hold this against them. And you might say, well, that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But then a few uh, years later, a man named Stephen, who was on the B team uh, of the new church, was so powerful, they didn't know what to do with him. 
and he was having these encounters with God and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God and they rushed at him and they stoned him to death. And as he was dying, he said, Father, don't hold this sin against them. And he forgave them in the midst of being murdered. My point is simply this. You may not be Jesus, but you can act like him. We've got to learn to act like Jesus. Be vessels of love. Number two, choose to see the beauty. We've got to choose to see beauty in in, in a world that can be dark. We've got to choose to see beauty in, in a world that can be perverse. We've got to choose to see beauty. We can't look around the world and focus on all the negative and focus on all the dark and think we're going to stay in an innocent perspective. We've got to choose to see the beauty. Number three, we've got to be grateful for the good and the bad. Guys, this is a big one. We've got to learn. Some of us, the reason we're stuck is because there are bad things that, we've, that have happened to us and we can't possibly fathom how to be grateful for that horrific thing. And it's hard, but if you'll apply yourself to see the lesson that you've learned, if you'll apply yourself to see God's hand in it and how he can make you better for it, you don't have to get bitter, you can get better. If you'll see his hand in it. As I described what I suffered as a child, the loss of my daughter, different things that I've walked through in life, I've learned to be grateful even for the bad because I've learned and it's made me stronger. It's made me more useful to God. It's made me a a better weapon for his work. Amen? Number four, we've got to get God's perspective. If we can get God's perspective, then we can see the purpose in the pain. If we can get God's perspective, we can learn the lesson from it. Number five, we've got to give more grace. Assume the best of people and give more grace. When people offend us, give more grace. Father, help them. They're having a bad day. Be with Elsa. Turn her ice cold heart into a... Lastly, number six, I'm going to give you a, something that my wife and I have been practicing for years. It's hard, guys. This is, this, this is easy to talk about. It's hard to do. Very easy to get offended. It's hard to walk in this process of ridding our hearts of offense. Here's what you do. When you feel the offense, when you feel the anger, instead of complaining, instead of griping, pray. Instead of venting, pray. Second part of that, is bless the offender. Speak life over the offender. Don't speak judgment because we don't want judgment. Don't say, God, get them. Father, help that person. Bless that person. Number three, third part of that is thank. Be thankful. Find something to be thankful for. Thankful for the good times. Thankful for what we've learned. Thankful for the, the good things that the, every, every relationship has both good and bad. We focus on what we can be thankful for. And then finally, we release them. Release them to God. Give them to God. Now, here's one, something I learned, and I'm going to give this last little tidbit, and I'm going to close because we're going to have to turn the building. There, there's a misconception in Christianity that if you forgive someone, that means you have to go be BFFs again, be best friends forever again. It's a misconception. And the Jewish understanding of forgiveness, listen, this is huge. Why do we follow a a message on giving 
with a message on forgiveness because forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts you can give. Forgiveness is one of the greatest forms of generosity. It was the stinginess in the, in the first servant's heart that would not allow him to release and to forgive someone. It was the stinginess in his heart. Jesus said, if, you're, if your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. The phrase in that culture, eye being good, meant you had a generous outlook. If your eye is evil, Jesus said, your whole body is full of darkness. And how great is that darkness? An evil eye was a stingy, greedy eye, a greedy perspective, a stingy perspective, a covetous perspective. That's what it meant in that culture. It still means that in the Middle East today. The people that live behind us are, are from the, the Mediterranean region and are, and are over in Plano, and they have eyes outside of their house, and it's, 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 the, it's called the good eye, and it's a superstition to ward off the evil eye. It's a very big part of the Middle Eastern culture, even to this day. Because they believe that the, the evil eye is the covetousness, the greediness, the stinginess of people around the world. And so they ward it off with a trinket. But it's something Jesus talked about. Because if your eye is evil, if you're greedy with forgiveness, how great is that darkness? Forget, listen, forgiveness is the greatest gift God ever gave us. And one of the greatest powers that God gave us, he said to his disciples, whoever you forgive will be forgiven. And whoever sins you retain, their sins will remain upon them. That is a terrifying power that he gave us as followers of Christ. That's where the Catholic faith got the practice of confession and the priest either forgiving or not forgiving someone. But it wasn't just for one man. It was for all of us to have the power to forgive and to release and to be like God. Generosity and forgiveness, giving and forgiveness is one of the ways that we are most like God when we practice in that. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for your people called by your name, people that you love. Father, if there's any ought, if there's any resentment that we have in our hearts, any unforgiveness, God, help us right now to release. Help us to see some good. Help us to find something to be grateful for. Help us to find something to be thankful for. Help us to have the power to bless and to pray and to release that person again and again and again and again and again. As many times as it takes, 70 times seven, as many times as it takes to get the poison out of our systems. Father, help us to have the grace to be like you and to give the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind, the gift of forgiveness. Father, help us to be the ministers of reconciliation in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you that one last tidbit that I want to mention. In the Jewish culture, and I had a, a friend of mine who's a very strong practicing Jew. He said, Joel, I don't understand this about you Christians. You Christians feel like for you to forgive someone means you have to go be best friends with them again. He goes, Jew, that's, not, that's not anywhere inside of our faith. The forgiver has the power to choose and set the boundaries on the relationship. Forgiveness is for you. That's what he said. It's to set you free. And if you choose that you want to befriend that person again, that's up to you. But you have no obligation. You can forgive them and release them and live your life separate from them. And you've still forgiven them. You don't have to go be BFFs. 
See, it's important to understand that because some of you in your families, you have toxic relationships in your families, and it's absolutely unhealthy for you to be around some of the people that you have to be around in your family. And it's best if you can create some separation and be free to follow Christ and keep a pure heart and not stay in a place of abuse. Forgiveness doesn't mean you stay in abuse. Forgiveness means you, 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 you release and set free the offender. But it doesn't mean you have to stay in a place of abuse. Amen? Somebody needed to hear that today. You, you are released. You have the power to choose to forgive. But you can also forgive and be separate. There are parts of your human body that never touch and never see each other. And there are parts of the body of Christ that never touch and never see each other. And that's okay. It's only natural. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. If there's anybody here that needs to give themselves to you right now, Holy Spirit, draw them to you. Bring them into relationship with you. Just out of your own mouth, say, Father, I give myself to you. You are my Lord. You are my master. I give myself to you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Uh, we'll be here again next week. Come worship with us.